The Guardian. Ah, there's nothing better than tucking yourself up in bed for a good night's sleep. Back in 2019, we looked at the physical and mental health benefits of getting all the sleep your body needs. But there's one group in particular who don't seem to be hitting their targets. Or their alarm clocks. Night owls. Unlike morning larks who go to bed and rise early... Night owls enjoy the evenings, preferring to stay up later. And as a night owl herself, Science Weekly producer Madeline had a query for me. Yes, I have a late chronotype, meaning I'm naturally inclined to stay up in the evenings and then sleep in in the mornings, usually through my alarm. Around 10pm, I just seem to get a burst of energy and I'm very happy working late, whereas early starts? Best not to ask. But I constantly see reports about the terrible effect my nocturnal habits have on my health. According to the research, us night owls are at a higher risk of heart disease, type 2 diabetes, more likely to develop asthma, more prone to depression, and even a higher risk of dying earlier. So Linda, I wanted to know, why is it so bad being a night owl? And is my chronotype something that I can change? So on today's episode, we're taking a dive into our circadian rhythms, what makes us owls and larks, and why owls seem to have drawn the short straw. What we found in our 2019 study of chronotype, where we looked at the genetics of nearly 700,000 people, is that uh, it's lots of small mutations within genes that are important in the clock mechanism. We do believe that late types, night owls, have period lengths, intrinsic period lengths of their clock that would fit into the Mars light-dart cycle perfectly. I'm Linda Geddes, and you're listening to Science Weekly. To find out more, I spoke to two experts. Hi, my name's Samuel Jones. Uh, I'm a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Helsinki in Finland. Uh, My interests are the genetics of uh, chronotype and uh, various sleep phenotypes. Hello, my name is Deborah Skeen and I'm a section lead of chronobiology at the University of Surrey and my expertise is in human circadian rhythms. So let's start at the beginning then. Deborah, all people have circadian rhythms. Can you explain what these are and what drives them? Well, essentially, circadian rhythms are driven by clocks in our body, and we've got clocks all over in different organs and tissues. Our master clock is in our brain, and and this really drives um, our circadian rhythms, which are rhythms that occur approximately every 24 hours. And how do these rhythms influence the timing of people's sleep or their chronotype? This sort of 24-hour circadian message from the master clock sends this information to all areas of the body uh, as well as areas of the brain that are involved in uh, feeling sleepy and feeling awake. One of the main mechanisms is the clock at certain times of the day uh, releases melatonin and that's what helps you feel sleepy. 
the melatonin doesn't actually drive sleep, but it's how our bodies react to then releases the melatonin. So the melatonin goes on to then have a chain reaction, which helps then release other hormones and set off other gene transcription, which does help us then uh, sleep. Um, so sleep is a complicated thing. It's guided by sleep pressure or the homeostatic sleep pressure process, which is basically the longer you stay awake, the more tired you get and the harder it is to stay awake and then there's a circadian component which um, is essentially about the timing and release of certain hormones which help you feel tired at the right time. Do we have much insight into why some people lean towards an early start or a later evening? In terms of your circadian rhythms, people do have uh, molecular clocks that function slightly differently from person to person. What we found in our 2019 study of chronotype, where we looked at the genetics of nearly 700,000 people, is that uh, it's lots of small mutations within genes that are important in the clock mechanism, which uh, have an effect on how fast or slow your clock ticks. But there are also lots of other genetic variants uh, related to how you process uh, stimulants like caffeine and um, nicotine, uh, and also how your brain receives light signals through your eyes, so how effective your eyes are communicating light signals. On the other side of it, it's behaviours like choosing to exercise later in the day, drinking coffee in the afternoon, living in a built-up area which has more artificial light, all these things have a subtle effect on your chronotype. A lot of the time they add up uh, and balance out so that you know most people are somewhere in the middle of the chronotype distribution. But for some people, it pushes them to one end or another, so to be either a lark or an owl. I think we also need to establish what exactly chronotype means. Sam, would you like to just explain what is chronotype? It can be defined in various different ways. Really, chronotype is, is, is typically measured using subjective questions. And there are two main questionnaires for doing this, but mostly um, it's about asking people when they, uh, when they go to bed and when they wake up, so the timing of their sleep. But also there are components uh, which are important, which are related to when people are active during the day. So the, the subjective question that people are asked, which explains most of the variation in chronotype, is actually whether people are morning people or evening people. And although that might be difficult to interpret, most people instinctively see that as, you know, when they're most active and awake. As you say, Sam, we, we use um, questionnaires to assess chronotype, but that's just because, you know, we can't do the gold standard in everybody. So the gold standard chronotype, what it means is where is the timing of your clock? in relation to um, life outside. So it's, it's a marker of your circadian timing or circadian phase. Now, ideally, if we could measure uh, that biologically, and there are markers of that, for example, where your melatonin rhythm is placed in time, we would know biologically where your clock is in time. And, and so fortunately, there's some good correlations between these questionnaires and the biological marker of our circadian timing system. Chronotype is, is more fundamental um, characteristic of people 
when they're born, we have clocks at certain speeds, and, and that probably most likely relates to this molecular clock uh, speed timing and the genes uh, that, that Sam is describing. So, so that's the fundamental thing, and I don't think that can be changed. What changes every day is how much light we get in the morning or how much light I'm going to have tonight. That just affects my clock tomorrow, but it doesn't affect me as a person, my fundamental clock speed. To what extent are these chronotypes and these internal clocks influenced by our external environments? For instance, the sun rising earlier and earlier each morning as it is at the moment, or looking at our mobile phone screens late at night, or even things like when we eat our dinner. All of those things, as you say, affect clock timing, particularly the light-dark cycle. So as you mentioned, the early morning light that we're getting now as, as we move into spring and summer, and then, of course, the sort of artificial light that we expose ourselves to at night with televisions and, and iPhones, they can affect the timing of the clock. But I think if we take that all away, endogenously and intrinsically, we have molecular clocks that are either fast or slow or um, medium. So it's the, it's the speed of the clock, the molecular clockwork, that gives us our internal period length. So how long is each person's circadian cycle? And that differs between individuals at a genetic level. And, and that's fundamentally chronotype. So what a lot of people think of chronotype is actually um, just the behavioral um, outcome of our internal real chronotype uh, and the interaction with our environment and behaviors. And of course, our behaviors can change, but our internal clocks can't. Let's talk about age. Children go through big swings in their sleeping patterns. So they, you know, they they get up early in the mornings when they're young, but then as they progress into adolescence, they start lying in and staying up late at night. And adults also wake up earlier and earlier as they progress into old age. Why does this happen? Why do our sleeping patterns change as we get older and and older? Our uh, chronotypes do tend to peak in terms of evenness uh, during puberty. There have been several studies that show that if you uh, delay the start of school, this actually massively improves the overall performance of your students. I think at the moment it's quite cruel to, to have um, some students starting school at you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning, and we should at least push it back to 10 a.m. Then after puberty, we tend to become more lark-like and this continues all throughout our adult lives into old age. One of the hypotheses is testosterone. This could just be correlation, but during puberty, your levels of testosterone really do spike. And then as you age, your levels of testosterone tend to drop. And don't forget, both women and men have testosterone in their, in their bodies. And actually, there is a study that has suggested that people with higher levels of testosterone are more likely to be uh, owls than larks. 
And although getting older usually comes with responsibilities like jobs and childcare that require us to wake up earlier, alongside a host of other factors like how much light we get and are able to process, there are also studies which have shown that as we age we secrete less melatonin, which makes our sleep more fragmented, and can turn us into lighter sleepers. But Sam, how much do chronotypes vary across populations? There is certainly significant genetic difference across the population. We identified 351 areas of the genome that seem to be associated with a changing chronotype. People have a lot of genetic variants, all with a, a small, tiny effect. And then, of course, the environment has an impact too. But certainly from what we were seeing in our study when we compared people at different ends of the genetic spectrum of uh, morning evening preference was that there is at least around a 25 to 30 minute sleep difference now this doesn't sound like a lot i wouldn't be surprised if across the population around 90 percent of people vary as much uh, as an hour from for sleep timing from the the average person then if you start to you know deviate too much then that's what might be called uh, circadian rhythm disorder. Uh, and there are some people with diagnosed circadian rhythm disorders. So how extreme can the differences get for these people with circadian rhythm disorders? The diagnosis definition is that people's sleep has to be delayed by or advanced by two hours or more. And actually, typically, people who are diagnosed with this have much more extreme variations from the norm typically because the people who turn up to be diagnosed are having trouble fitting into normal daily life. Deborah, I feel like you've done some studies on these people, is that right? Yes, uh, we did. Uh, We recruited real late night owls and then uh, asked them to change their behaviour. So do some of the things we know will shift the timing of the clocks. Really, the simple message is to try and do most of your activities uh, earlier on. So we asked people to try and get up earlier, go to bed earlier. If they did exercise, to exercise in the morning, uh, get as much morning light as possible. Try not to have caffeine and naps later than in the afternoon. So, so essentially shifting your whole activity pattern to the morning end uh, and That was just, they did this in their homes for three weeks and we found that indeed we could see that this was able to uh, advance the clock or make the clock come more into line. And, uh, you know, we, we could see this not only in their behavior, but actually fundamentally at the level of their biological clocks, because we measured that as well. It was amazingly successful for something that you know people could do in their own homes. There's lots of studies which seem to suggest that being a night owl is worse for your health. Why do you think this is? Well, let's think out of the box because the the problem that they're having is that they're trying to live, you know, on this uh, uh, social life that we we've set. They're working against their clock or the or the life that we live on earth, uh, the average life, is working against their clock. Uh, And so they're having the short sleep, they have circadian misalignment by going to work and doing nine to five jobs. Um, And then they're doing this catch-up sleep on weekends. Uh, So 
a lot of sleep deprivation across their lives, chronic sleep deprivation and chronic circadian misalignment. And, and we know that those are risk factors uh, for a lot of, uh, you know, major diseases like metabolic uh, disorders, type 2 diabetes, obesity, cancer. Therefore, they should only go to work at lunchtime and uh, work through till 10 o'clock at night, for example, and then do other things. So if they were allowed to do that, they would have no problems and they would not have health problems. I completely agree with Deborah and um, a lot of night owls, um, well, I mean, this is anecdotal, but a lot of night owls I speak to ask me how they can be more of a morning person. And I think they're missing the point there really what's important for your health is to align with your behaviors with your natural chronotype as deborah said the damage for night owls or the increased risk of disease does come from this misalignment between their actual behavior and sleep patterns uh, with their their natural rhythms and also consistency so don't vary your sleep across the week but try and have a, a stable bedtime are there any benefits to being a night owl? I mean, all we ever hear about is the negatives, but then a lot of people who are night owls often claim to be, you know, they often say, you know, I come alive at night, I'm really creative, I'm a creative person. There is some evidence that owls are more creative, but again, it's the, the chicken and the egg. We, we don't know what causes what. But there is also evidence that owls can have sustained periods of alertness so they can stay concentrated and focused on things for longer than larks. And there is a, a, a slight difference in intelligence on average um, in that night owls tend to be slightly more intelligent. Are you a lark or a night owl, Deborah? And have you ever tried to alter this based on what you know about the research? Yeah, well, I'm classically a night owl, uh, like a lot of uh, my colleagues in academia and science. Uh, you know, we, uh, we've often had this debate about you, you choose your occupation based on your chronotype. I've worked with, uh, you know, uh, theatre people and musicians and just ask any of them what their chronotype is. And they're, they're late types because, they, you know, they play music at night and they stay up. Uh, so I, th I think it is very much, uh, you know, does our chronotype choose our profession? You know, I wouldn't want to... Uh, get up and have a high-powered job where I have to have meetings at eight o'clock in the morning. And, and you don't have to do that with academia. How about you, Sam? Again, uh, I'm a, a night owl. I mean, where I would lie on the distribution, I have no idea. But if, you know, if I have to choose one or the other, I'm, I'm definitely a night owl. Academia is, is certainly enriched for night owls. Um, so across the population, there, there tend to be more larks than the night owls, but uh, this isn't quite the same in academia. But anecdotally, um, I did do one job before my university days where I had to start at six o'clock in the morning um, and, and work till two. And that meant I had to get up at four o'clock in the morning. And as a night owl, it was torture. So um, I've decided since then, never again will I, will I do a job that starts that early in the morning. I mean, nine o'clock is early enough for me. Thank you. Thanks to both Sam Jones and Deborah Skeen. You can find out more about their work on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. 
After finding out it's not night owls that are the problem, but a society that requires them to live out of kilter with their natural internal rhythms, it got us thinking. With so many of us working from home and able to keep to our own schedules a little bit more, has the pandemic changed the way we sleep? We noticed that people in the lockdowns were sleeping very much closer to what they normally slept on weekends, but that they didn't sleep later on weekends. So it's not just being lazy and, and, and lying in. It is what the biological clock wants. That's coming up on Thursday. Do join us then. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.